Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Everyone, hey, let me be like the fourth or fifth person to say Happy New Year to you. Uh, well, maybe I'm the first. Uh, usually, you know, people are saying Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But, uh, hey, we're, we're so excited for 2019 here at Overflow Church. Um, you know, um, if, if you can put that graphic up here for us. Uh, yeah, so Pastor Josh made this awesome graphic for my sermon. I think that looks like Pastor Nathan right there. Uh, you know, looks like him looking longingly at Pastor Brooke, you know. Uh, or looking into 2019 expectantly, you know. Because here at Overflow Church, Pastor Josh spoke this word over us that 2019 is the year of the green light, you know. It's the year to go after what what the Lord has for us here at Overflow Church, you know. I was going to say this is uh, my title of my sermon be the new year, the new you, but I, I, I don't really think that's appropriate. I want to say this is, this is how to reach your goal, right? Reach the goal. Uh, so uh, my wife and I, we... Uh, you know, had this goal that we were going to get in shape, right? And so we went to the gym where everyone belongs. I'm not going to uh, tell you what gym it is. I'm sure you know. I was hoping it was the gym where nobody's in shape. I was hoping that that was what it was, but it wasn't that. It's was actually a gym where there's a lot of people in shape. It's just a cheap gym. Uh, so, uh, we went there and, um, you know, I, we were super serious. I had my ba- bandana on that, that, that's how you could tell I was serious. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I knew nothing, but I knew more than Charlotte. So I was like, okay, so we're doing this machine and then we're doing this machine, you know? And so we went and we were working out and then we went home and we had our protein shake and we were gung ho that first day. And, the next day, what happened, we woke up, and I was sore, <laughs> and Charlotte was really sore, and uh, <laughs> yes, and let me tell you, in the couple months that we had that gym membership, we probably went three times. We did not achieve our goal, right? So I read one study that said, of New Year's resolutions fail. And I read another study that said 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. Where they're getting these numbers from, I have no idea. How do you determine that? I don't know. But the truth is, who even remembers what their New Year's resolution was last year? I don't, you know. We just set these goals, like, just to set them. Oh, no, it's the new year. I need to have a, a New Year's resolution, You know, I need to have a goal for the new year, you know, but we really don't take them seriously. We really don't set them seriously, and we really don't believe that we're going to achieve them. So my goal today, number one, is I want to help you achieve your goal, but number two is I want to help you set your goal. So what kind of goals are we talking about? Well, I mean, you know, you have your normal New Year's resolution goals, lose weight, get in shape, eat better, budget, make your bed, clean your house, read, your, read a book, read your Bible, pray more. You know, those are all good goals, but I'm talking about 
bigger goals, right? You know, a goal is a target that you're trying to hit, but when you get God involved, then it becomes something even better. It becomes a dream, you know, a, a wonderful dream. You know, I think, I think about Martin Luther King in, in, that real, in that famous speech, you know, where his goal was to see segregation end, but it was a dream that he had with God where he said, I have a dream where I can see my children in the same schools as other white children, you know. It was a goal, but he dreamt it with God, and it became a dream. So I want you to dream bigger. I don't want you to just set goals to read your Bible. You should be reading your Bible. But I want you to set goals that are going to achieve things, that are going to, that are going to really, really make an impact. So here's some criteria for you, okay? How you should be setting your goals. Number one is your goals should come from godly desires, okay? So, the goal to get fit so you can look good for the ladies, I mean, that's an okay goal, but the goal to be fit so that I can be there for my family, so that I can be longevity, so that I can make sure that I can see my grandchildren grow up, that's a godly desire. The goal that I want to read a book so I can impress people with my intellect that's not a godly desire, but the goal to read so I can study to show myself approved, now that's a godly desire. Paying off your debt so that you can have more money in your pocket so that you can be, have the latest and greatest, that's not a godly desire, but paying off your debt so that you can be obedient to the word of the Lord so if he says to leave and go, you can go, that's a godly desire. So... Number two, our goals should benefit more than just ourselves. So Pastor Josh was just talking about our declarations that we declare each and every week. You know, why do we ask the Lord to bless us so that we can have? No, we ask the Lord to bless us so that we can be a blessing, so that we can give. You know, we don't want to just grow fat with blessing, but we want to bless others. That's, you know, that's how, that's how we, you know, we receive, really and truly, that's how we receive and number three, our goal should be too big to achieve on our own strength. If, it's, if you're able to achieve it on your own, then you should be doing it. So I'll never say that your dream is too small. Um, it's not my place to say that your dream is too small. But I will ask you, how do you need God in your dream? How do you need God in your dream? So before we even get started in how do you achieve your goals, this is what I want to charge you with, okay? We all said, hey, I don't even remember my New Year's resolution last year, right? Well, this is 2019 that we're going into. This is a, this is a new year. This is an opportunity for us to start off strong. And I think that we should all be setting goals for ourselves, we should be setting goals that come from godly desires. We should be setting goals that benefit more than just ourselves. And we should be setting goals that are too big for us to achieve on our own. Because that's how the world, is, that's how the kingdom is going to come to the earth as it is in heaven.
You know, I know, I'm sure I'm butchering this phrase, but you're, but have you ever heard of the expression, your misery equals your ministry? You know, so if something in your life, if it hurts your heart when you see it happen, that's probably God tugging on your heart saying, hey, I want you to change it. So if you see homeless people in your neighborhood and it hurts your heart that they're homeless, then that's probably God saying, I want you to do something about it. Or if, or if abortion hurts your heart, that's probably God saying, hey, I want you to do something about it. You know? Those are the kind of goals that we need to be setting. Those are the kind of goals that are going to see God's kingdom come to earth. So, set your goals. Set your goals. Set your goals. You don't have to have a goal in mind right now, but I'm just telling you, 2019, we need to be setting goals. So, how do we achieve our goals? Or we can rephrase it as our dreams, because a dream is just a God-sized goal. So, I want to give you some lessons from a man with a big dream from the Bible, Nehemiah, all right? I love the book of Nehemiah. I think the book of Nehemiah is a great book that we can learn from about leadership. It's a great book that we can learn from about restoration, but it's also a great book that we can learn about setting goals and achieving goals, right? So let me give you some background, some historical background, okay? History class, everybody. So Nehemiah was an Israelite. And he was serving in the Persian, as the Persian king's cupbearer, okay? So a cupbearer was not just somebody who sat there in the corner with a glass of wine until the king says, bring me my wine. He had much more of a duty than that. He was in charge of guarding the king's wine stores. So he would make sure that it wouldn't be poisoned. You know, he was the one that was responsible for what the king was drinking, And he did bring the king his wine when he said, bring me my wine. But he also had the king's ear. So he had influence. So a foreigner, in an Israelite in a foreign kingdom had influence. So Nehemiah heard that the Israelites were returning from exile. Now, the Jews were God's chosen people. They were supposed to be blessed, living this blessing. But because they were so disobedient served other gods, did whatever they wanted to, then they constantly got taken off to captivity, got rescued, brought back into God's chosen land, then got taken off to captivity again. Then got rescued, taken off to captivity again. So Nehemiah hears that for the third time the Israelites were returning from captivity. And that's where our story takes place. The Israelites are returning to Jerusalem. The third captivity is over. But they're not returning to a city that's nicely paved, street swept. They're returning to a city that's destroyed. The temple was destroyed and the wall is broken down. And it broke Nehemiah's heart. And he said, I need, the wall needs to be rebuilt. Why did the wall need to be rebuilt? Because the Israelites were surrounded by their enemies. People hated the Jews. And the wall was the protection. The wall was what kept them safe. The wall was the territory of the city. And so Nehemiah said it in his heart that he wanted to rebuild the wall. And so what did he do? Did he get on a horse and ride off? No. 
First thing he did is he began to pray. He began to pray. Number one, if you want to see your dream come to pass, you have to begin to pray. You have to begin to pray. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 says, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let this servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. To finish well, you have to begin the right way. You have to pray. You have to pray. Praying into your dream is something that cannot be understated, underestimated, or underutilized. It's foundational. Bathe your dreams in prayer. Bathe your dreams in prayer. Nehemiah began to pray. He began to pray. And the king saw that he was changed. He saw something was wrong. He said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? So he had influence. He had the king's ear. And Nehemiah said, well, my heart's hurted, hurting, hurted. My heart's hurting because, because of this thing. The wall is broken. And the king says, okay, I'll let you go rebuild it. Because he prayed. If you're not praying into your dream, chances are you're going to forget it. But if you pray every day, you're going to remember it. You're definitely going to remember it. It's foundational. Pray every day. Pray every day into your dream. A couple of uh, months ago, uh, we had an opportunity to go to this um, banquet for the Pregnancy Resource Center of Grand Prairie. It was awesome. My favorite part was uh, this gentleman named David Barit came and talked about the founding of the 40 Days to Life campaign. Uh, He was the founder. And the way it all started, and I'm butchering the the story, I know. The way it all started was they had a desire to see this one abortion clinic in their town closed. They lived in College Station, Texas. And they had a plan that they were going to go and do a vigil out in front of it for 40 days. They had a plan. But did they go and immediately go jump into it? No. What they did first was they prayed. They prayed. And they said, Lord, we want to see this in. Lord, this is what we want to do. Lord, bless this plan. Lord, we want to see it. And not only did that abortion clinic close, but it also started a movement that, that closed many across the nation. It was an amazing story they told. You know, Jesus even talked about this. You know, he said, the, the, he told his disciples, he goes, the field are, fields are white. With, with a harvest, he didn't tell his disciples, now go harvest. He said, pray. Your dreams have to start with prayer. So number two, if you want to achieve your dreams, you have to consider the cost. Have to consider the cost. So the king said, okay, Nehemiah, if you want to do this, what's it going to cost? And Nehemiah said to the king, In chapter 2, he said, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I might rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. 
and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah knew what it was going to cost to rebuild the city. He had calculated it out. He didn't just say, I want to do this thing, and went and did it. He thought about it. He thought about the time that it was going to take him. He thought about the money. He thought about the men. He thought about the letters that he would need to get through the territory. He thought about all those things. On your dream, you're going to need to think about the time, the energy, the money, the effort, the sacrifice, the tears, all those things. You're going to think about, need to think about those and consider, is it worth it? Count the cost before you even begin to go over it. And then think about it because everything is going to cost more than you think it is. So I want any mom that has a baby, uh, I know this now from being around moms that have babies. Uh, you know, when you're pregnant with your first kid, you know, everybody says you're going to be tired, but you don't know how tired you're going to be until you actually have that child, right? Yeah. You, it's going to cost you more than you think. Are you truly willing to pay what it's going to cost you to see your dream come true? Is it really worth it to you? Because don't start something that it's not worth it to you, that you're not willing to pay. So my wife and I just bought a TV, a nice TV, big TV. And uh, we thought, okay, we bought it. We bought everything that we need with it. But now we realize that our TV stand is not big enough. So it cost us more than we thought it was going to cost. Excuse me. So, consider the cost. It's going to cost you more. When I was leading mission trips at the Bible College, helping lead mission trips at the Bible College, we would get people to come to the initial meeting, and we would tell them, okay, the mission trip is going to cost this much. And they'd be like, okay, great. I'm like, but... There's going to be planning meetings every week. There's going to be prayer meetings. You're going to have to develop a servant, a sermon. You're going to have to fundraise. You're going to have to do. You're going to have to get your passport. You're going to have to get visas. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. All they heard was, "It's going to cost this much." They didn't hear um, about uh, about how much it was going to cost them. Jesus th- taught us this too says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build it and was not able to finish. He's talking about discipleship. Discipleship costs, costs the disciples everything. It cost them everything. They had to consider to lay down everything in their life. Consider the cost. Is it worth it? Number three, you got to make a plan. Nehemiah chapter three is all about the execution of Nehemiah's plan. After he surveyed the damage, he set everyone to work on what was right in front of him. He assigned everyone a particular portion of the wall. So this is how he rebuilt it. He said, Benny, you live right over here by this gate. You're going to rebuild this. You and your family, you're going to rebuild this part. All right. Mike and Jasmine, y'all live right over here. Y'all are going to rebuild this part. Charlotte, we live right over here. We're going to rebuild this part. Pastor Josh, Pastor Leslie, y'all live right over there. Y'all are going to rebuild this part. He had a plan. He put it into into motion. If you're not planning for success, then you're planning for failure. 
So many times we act and then we put thought to our actions after we act. We need to put a plan in place. Rarely does anything great happen by accident. Rather, great things happen because of thoughtful planning and execution of that plan. If you're going to do something great, you really need a plan. You need a great plan. So a lot of you guys were here for our Christmas service last week. We had this really great service planned. Everybody had their plan except for me. Uh, and I forgot to take up the offering in the first service. So, uh, so yeah, everybody had their plan but me. I was just going to wing it, you know, do things like I always do. And I failed. So I learned my lesson. Need to have a plan. Second service, I didn't fail to take up the offering. So, Proverbs 69 says, A man heart, man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. We're going to make our plan and allow the Lord to direct us in, a, in our plan. If you don't think the Lord is about planning, then you haven't read stuff like Leviticus. <laughs> Excuse me. So, number four, if you want to achieve your gr- a dream, Know that you will face tests. In parentheses, are you willing to grow? So, this is the whole reason I made this sermon right here, is this quote right here, by, the, by the, one of the greatest boxers of all time, Mike Tyson, right? He says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so, so, Nehemiah faced tests on his journey to build a wall, Right? If you read into it, he faced opposition on the outside. The enemies of the Israelites, they didn't like him rebuilding the wall. They attacked, the, they had a plan to attack the wall. You know, he had to come up with a plan to rebuke, to, uh, not rebuke them, but to battle them back. Then he had faced opposition from the people inside. They were complaining of a famine and having to work so hard. Then they also had conspiracies against him to trap him and kill him. All trying to stop him from his ultimate goal of building the wall. You guys are going to have tests that you're going to have to face to achieve your, your dreams. Of 2019, your dreams that you're setting for yourself, your goals, you're going to have t- a test that you're going to have to face, and you're going to have to be willing to grow through those. So what kind of tests? Number one, these are just some that you're going to face. Integrity. Do you take shortcuts? Do you cut corners? Are you willing to do what's right even when no one's looking? That's what integrity is. If nobody would ever find out, do I do what's right? That's integrity. Number two is stewardship. Is we want something else, something grand, but God is asking us to manage what he's given us. I'll frame it in this context, and it applies to anything. If you're not willing to preach to one person, then you don't deserve to preach to a thousand. Number three. Well, sub point number three. You know, you know what I'm saying. The wilderness test. Can you continue to advance toward the ultimate goal when you're spiritually dry? I think that's the ultimate test of a, of a believer's maturity is can they pursue God when they don't feel him? When you're not getting goosebumps, when you're not crying in worship, when you're not when you're not not feeling him, can you pursue God? That is the ultimate test of maturity. Because a tree, a mature tree, 
has deep roots to dig down deep when things are dry. Number four is authority. Are you willing to submit to the authority that you're placed under, even if that authority is not willing to let you fully go after your dream? The test of opposition. When everything is going against you, are you willing to continue after your goal? Because let me tell you, you will face opposition. You will face opposition. Number, uh, the test of time. Are you able to push through when things are not lining up to your timetable? And here, the next one is, I think, the hardest is the disappointment. I think that's the hardest. When you get disappointed along the way, do you continue or do you just give up? When the goal is in sight, within grasp, do you continue or do you give up? And finally, the lordship test. Who is the Lord, the goal or God? You see, we're addicted to comfort. I'm addicted to comfort. That's why when my clothes get small, instead of me losing weight, I buy new clothes. But how can God know that we're ready for the next level without testing us? And tests are uncomfortable. Not all tests come from God. Some come from the enemy. Some come from ourselves. You know, but... God is really using tests to be able to know that we're ready. If we move outside of our comfort zone, then we're able to enter into something beautiful called growth. And you got to grow in order to be able to achieve the things that we're dreaming with God. Big dreams require strong dreamers. So Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says, We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strengths of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So trials develop endurance. Tests develop endurance Endurance develops character. Character gets you to the next platform. A test can either be a tombstone or a stepping stone on on your journey towards your dreams. So I was on one of those mission trips with this young man. I call him a kid. But a young man uh, who told me that it's his ultimate goal in life to be a full-time missionary, right? I won't tell you his name for the purpose of the story. I'll just call him Schmeichel Schmigs. And, uh, but he was so nervous the whole trip that he wouldn't hold on to his passport. And he would have somebody else hold on to his passport the whole trip. A guy, a, a guy who, who says my ultimate goal in life is to be a full-time missionary won't hold on to his own passport, okay? So... Anyway, my boss, she goes on to another country, and it's my job to get everybody. All I have to do is get them from a hotel to the airport through security, and I'm done, right? And so it's 5 a.m. in Malaysia. We're at the airport, and he comes up to me, and he says, Now, don't get mad, but I think I left my passport on the bus. And I looked at him like, Okay, 
So I just like switch into crisis mode, you know, and I like call this Malaysian pas- a pastor that's like four hours away and he gets in touch with a local pastor and we do everything we can, but I got to go. My flight's leaving. I give him all the funds that we can and I say, good luck. <laughs> and that was a test. That was a test. So I get on the plane, I go, and we have a 12-hour layover in the next airport. And right before we load onto the plane, Schmeichel Smigs comes walking up like that, you know. And he had gotten in touch with the local pastor. The pastor had gotten the passport off the bus. He had bought another plane ticket, gotten there, gotten on there. And now he is a full-time missionary in Thailand. The test can either be a tombstone or a stepping stone in the, on your dream. So number five, you need to learn to rely upon the Lord. If you're going to achieve your dreams, you've got to learn to rely upon your Lord. Continuously, Nehemiah looked upon the Lord for strength. And even after the wall was built, he recommitted himself to God and to God's law. Nehemiah chapter 6 was a conspiracy that they were going to trap Nehemiah and kill him. And Nehemiah said, and, and it says in Nehemiah 6, 9, it says, For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. And Nehemiah said to God, he said, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah said, God, strengthen my hands. God, strengthen my hands. See, God is looking for you to build your own strength, but he's also looking for us to rely upon him. Why else would we set goals that are beyond ourselves if we didn't need to rely upon the Lord? If you're able to do it on your own power, it's not a God-sized goal. If you can do it in your own power, you should be doing it. God-sized goals change communities. They change generations. They break generational curses, and they see nations changed. So how do we grow in our reliance upon the Lord? We continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. It's not just the start of our journey. It's the continuation of our journey. If you want to learn, grow in reliance upon the Lord, then you should fast. Give up a meal. You'll, you'll learn to rely upon the Lord then, trust me. <laughs> and sacrificial giving. Give in to your dream. Give in to your dream. Then learn to rely upon the Lord for your own need. Ooh, that's scary. Zechariah 4.6 says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Ooh, the Lord says, don't do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own strength. Do it by my power. Do it by my power. If we want to achieve God-sized goals, we got to have God-sized faith. All right, and number six, finally, if we want to achieve our goals, we have to refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. Nehemiah just refused to give up on his journey. He refused to give up on his journey. Galatians 6, 6 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not live, lose heart. If you've been around me for any period of time in a teaching setting, you've heard me say, uh, faithfulness will open up more doors than gifts and talents ever will, right? Well, here's version 
Fruitfulness is a direct result of concentrated faithfulness. See, a stick in the mud, a dead stick in the mud, is never going to produce fruit. Never. Because it's not drawing nutrients from the ground. It's not adding anything. It's not adding oxygen to the air. But my grandpa planted this pear tree for my grandmother. Why? Pears are nasty. I don't know. But he planted this pear tree for my grandmother. And it sat there for 10 years. It got run over by a car. Uh, I mean, it, it produced nothing for 10 years. But he never gave up on it. He watered it. He pruned it. And it just sat there. But it was concentrated faithfulness. It drew nutrients from the soil. It gave air around it. And now... It makes more pears than we know what to do with because pears are nasty. So, concentrated faithfulness will see you give fruit. Don't give up. Refuse to give up. But it's not just being a stick in the mud. It's being concentrated fruitful. Grow where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. Nehemiah achieved his goal, and you can too. Nehemiah achieved his goal, and you can too. So as we're moving into 2019, the year of the green light, here's my charge to you. Set goals. Don't just set goals out of your back pocket. Don't just pull a goal out, but set goals that are going to be from godly desires. Set goals that are going to benefit other people. And set goals that you're going to need to rely upon God. And then we're going to have to rely upon God to have them achieve 